Welcome to episode two of We Code FM. Today I'll be chatting with Eilish McCall, one of the co-founders of Esther, a pocket-to-pocket giving app that helps the most vulnerable people in society. Well, thanks very much for um, joining me on this podcast. I have a little bit of a chat tonight. Would you mind introducing yourself and telling me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, no problem. So I'm Eilish McCall. So um, I started off in QA engineering and the new ventures and blockchain team at PwC. Mm-hmm. So I was working primarily with blockchain products. Cool. And as a tester, what I really started off loving was starting to question things from a user perspective and starting to question the product and if it was really solving a problem. So it, it led very naturally into like the research and product role, which is essentially what I do for Esther now. How did you move from working with blockchain into doing more charitable work with Esther? Yeah, well, essentially, um, that was how me and my co-founder were introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, she had seen a lot of the issues and the the, the mistrust of charities, um, particularly from the millennial generation, where mm-hmm. people were continuing to question, you know, where's my money going? Is it really having any impact at all? And she had this idea of a peer-to-peer give. And she sort of thought, how do you establish that trust? So it was very much, um, it seemed as apparent that blockchain would be quite an interesting solution to that. So she came to chat to me about that, given that I came from a blockchain background. And whenever we started to discuss this, we started to realize that we didn't necessarily need um, blockchain in order to start to solve this problem. Yeah, that makes total sense. There's not much point getting bogged down with technology if it's not actually going to help you solve the problem. So before we dive too much into how Esther's built and that kind of stuff, tell me a little bit about what Esther actually is and and how it helps people. Absolutely. So Esther is a peer-to-peer charitable donation platform. So it allows you to donate money directly to people that are living in poverty in your own city. And essentially, they will receive that donation on what you call an Esther card. Um, it's just it's just a white label card where it just looks like a normal bank card, but mm-hmm. it can only be spent on certain things. So your donation is safeguarded, so it can't be spent for an ATM withdrawal or alcohol, for instance. Sure. But whenever you give to Esther, you will get a little bit of a bio to get to know the person that you're giving to. And as well as that, you get regular updates so that you can see the direct impact that you're making on somebody's life. And essentially the impact that that makes is, you know, if you help somebody and give them that basic income to meet their basic needs, then we actually see an increase in the effect of soft services such as counselling, education programmes, for instance. Because if you're very focused on how you're going to survive week to week, then you're very unlikely to um, be able to even consider something that, you know, that is as future focused as that. So we hope to give people enough money, not just to survive, but to thrive and start to um, imagine a better future for themselves. That, that makes a lot of sense. I guess if, if you're really worried about where your next meal is coming from, you're going to be far less concerned about taking care of your future and more about how do I get my next meal or where am I sleeping tonight? Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because I know um, a lot of people, when you, you would give charitable donations on the street, they'd be concerned about giving cash. And Esther, I think, solves a lot of those issues by have, making it a prepaid card so that it 
you know that money's going to to help that person exactly so it's basically ensuring that the health is helping and um, in, in a lot of those cases you it might not be a high-risk individual but it means that as a donor you know that sort of yeah. safeguards in your, in your mind and you know that your donation is going to have as much impact as, as you hope that it will and it's a very direct way of giving sure. it's a very effective way of giving so you know that your money is actually going directly to this person and it's transparent in a way that that you can actually see how they're getting on month to month yeah yeah i, I also like the idea of it's almost modernizing um charitable donations to people in your area i mean walking around belfast myself you're regularly asked for spare change and i know people um of my generation and younger don't carry a lot of change everything's paid for by card and it, it's quite hard to make donations like that um and again esther's the, the the perfect bridge there i think absolutely and i mean you also see that in the likes of other products you know such as iot devices that are starting mm-hmm. to come about now where you kind of have those one tap gives and i think yeah. they'll become more popular as well yeah i remember seeing um a campaign ran in london i can't remember exactly who it was for but essentially, yeah, you'd, you'd tap your card, you'd donate a pound, and uh, the total donated that day would be displayed on a little screen. And uh, I, I think it worked out that if you were the person that donated over like the £100 and the £1,000, they would give little prizes oh, uh, to wow. sort of in, in, incentivize the, uh, the, the transaction. So people were queuing up and hoping to be the 100th or the 200th person in, in, the, in the line. And that's uh, that almost rising gamification that we're seeing in a lot of you know exactly. tech products in general, as well as through through charitable giving as well. I'm, I'm interested to know you you come from a blockchain um, very technical focused background uh, and moved into into something that's right now not related to that at all. How did you come up with the idea of Esther, um, and what inspired you to to use your skills to help other people? So it was really my co-founder that came up with the original idea. She'd okay. actually seen, um, she, she had seen a, a YouTube video of mm-hmm. this guy who uh, was actually reaching out to scam an individual. So we reached out to him and sort of said, you know, if you send me money, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z with it. And mm-hmm. he sort of said, well, how about if I send you a camera and you know you start taking pictures of um, of your village and through that, he actually did start to do that and they created a book and there were proceeds from that. And from then on, like, he actually started to use the funds to do good in his community. So it was almost because he was given an element of trust. He actually yeah. used it to do something very positive. So it was that idea of how can we allow somebody to trust somebody that they don't know in a way that allows them to have that positive impact. So that mm-hmm. was almost the original inspiration of it. Yeah. So then we started to look into it, like why are people not given? And it was that whole idea of trust and impact about is sure. my donation making any impact? And we started to go, okay, is this just an excuse that people are making? Or if we give you that visibility of the impact of your donation, do you actually then um, you know, give more or are, are you more like likely to give? And we call this almost like a population of dormant donors that we sure. want to kind of ignite that, you know, we know we have them a lot, they have a lot of compassion, you know, you know, let, let's engage in charitable giving. Yeah, so yeah. we just sort of thought, we didn't have any money and we didn't have really, we were both working full time at the time. So yeah. we just thought, why don't we just give people money and see what happens? So 
what we did was a very, very manual way of doing this. So we went out and we just sort of put out on LinkedIn and Twitter, you know, does anybody want to give directly to somebody living in poverty in their city? And mm -hmm. we actually raised a thousand pounds more than what we intended. Wow. So we went out to um, raise the income of five families by 200 pounds a month of people who were living in poverty. And we did this through a charity. It was um, one of the largest food banks in the city, Storehouse. And oh, people yeah. gave through that and just tagged their donation as an Esther donation. And we were just going back and forth and sort of asking, you know, what, like, what were you able to spend that money on that you wouldn't have been able to before? And, sure. you know, we're just sending people text messages, letting them know the impact of that donation. And I, I think the fact that people were so willing to give and it was so easy to get people on board with no marketing budget whatsoever. You can yeah. see this burst for people to give. Um, and then telling their friends about it and almost that viral effect of that. Um, and then as well as that, to see the actual impact that it made on the women involved. I mean, they started to take up counselling that they had previously rejected. Um, essentially, just because they now had that headspace that had been opened sure. up. It wasn't because the money had freed it up. So when we started to see that impact and then even the charities saying, like, this is support we would love to give people, but, but can't. So it was just, it, then suddenly we felt almost like we really have a responsibility to continue to do this. Like there's something really special about this. And I think from there, you know, that's, it almost felt like I was going into work and I was almost frustrated by the job. I was going in and going, yeah. this is really getting in the way of my side project, which is now not so much a side project. So we both, uh, six months ago, you know, quit our jobs and just started doing this full time. So. We'll see where it goes. That's that's a super inspiring story. Like I, I personally think about this regularly about how most people work nine to five type jobs, and is the work that you're doing does it actually matter? Does it help other people? I mean, I, I absolutely love the job that I have right now. But it's one of those things that I'm sure niggles in the back of everyone's mind. Going, is my time being spent on on the best thing it could be? But yeah, that, I mean, that's a super, super interesting story. And I especially love the idea that it was inspired by the story of a, a scammer uh, wanting some money for, for a camera. I actually, I remember reading that a long time ago um, and I'll, I'll try and find a link to it and include it in the show notes so anyone can listen or any, anyone listening can, can give it a read. It's a, it's a really interesting little story. So you, you said there that the way Esther originally worked was very tedious and, and manual, where it would be you and your co-founder texting back and forth between charities and the people that are, were receiving those charitable donations. I can imagine that's pretty time-consuming, especially if you're working a full-time job. How have you used technology to help uh, reduce that burden? Yes, so we have automated a lot of it. So now we've built out, so we've built out a charity app, first of all. Mm -hmm. So it means that the charity can go in and they're led through certain questions that basically build up with the bio and the updates. Sure. So it's things like, um, you know, can you tell me your hopes for the future? Can you tell me any challenges that you've been facing? And um, mm -hmm. they basically structure up the bios and the updates and they're automatically sent up to the donors who sign up. So that cool. obviously saves us quite a lot of work mm -hmm. at the same time whenever we did that it has its own challenges because we started to realize you know we kind of lost a little bit of the personal touch whenever we started to do that yep. we actually ended up having 
ring up the charity, for instance, and start to go, well, you know, it would be nice to find out a little bit more personal information about these individuals. You know, for example, um, one of the people wanted to be a nurse, whereas quite a lot of it was coming out, you know, I don't have a lot of money and uh, I would like a job. And that was pretty much the generic vibe that was coming out. So now I think what we're realizing is we need to put a lot more structure around the type of things that we're looking to get out of that because from the first pilot, what a lot of people loved was that feeling of a connection. And as well as that, people saying, wow, this person is just like me. And I didn't realize somebody was in this situation in my city and that whole side of of bringing out that empathy. And I think we kind of lost that a little bit when we tried to automate it, but we're working on, on how to do that. Um, as well as that, it's the fact that the donors aren't now given through the charity, they're, they're given through us, and then we can mm-hmm. send that money directly onto the cards for the individuals. Again, we've been instead of just giving out cash and vouchers, we've been using, it's a voucher, but it's, it's a MasterCard. Uh, we don't have the full limitations built out yet, but sure. this one, it basically blocks ATM withdrawals and online um, purchases. But even yep. with... Um, there were some unforeseen issues with that. So, mm-hmm. for example, we purposely, because we were dealing with asylum seekers that had no form of identification, we yep. went for vouchers that had no name on it, but mm-hmm. still had store workers that were refusing to allow them right. to use the card yeah. um, because they couldn't show ID. Um, which is something, you know, if I went to try out, I don't think anybody would ID me if I went into a shop. So I think yep. there was some unforeseen circumstances with that also. Sure. Um, but at the same time, it is just great to see it running itself, although we need to keep a close eye on it and make sure we haven't lost any of the beauty of the first pilot almost. Yeah, that, that human connection, I think, would make a massive difference. It's it, It's so much harder to refuse to help someone if, if if you know that person and you have some kind of personal connection. And so definitely knowing a person's aspirations and hopes and dreams and uh, learning that those people are just like you and I is uh, very, very convincing when it comes to, to convincing someone to give some money. I'm, I'm really excited to see, to see how, how far uh, Master can go and, and how many people that can actually help. Have you found that moving to a more automated system has enabled you to actually increase the number of people that, that you're helping, or is it still very much in the early stages and you're trying to, to iron out any of the, the bugs first? We're still ironing out bugs, but that is the aim in terms mm-hmm. of how do we automate this in a way that allows us to scale because it, it started off that you know everything was going really well and we just had to stop because you know people were still coming on board that they wanted to help. Uh, obviously there's a lot of people that need help and yeah. we kind of just have to go listen you know we can't do this anymore we need yeah. to build out some technology to automate this so ultimately it will help us to scale but we just want to make sure that we scale in the right way mm-hmm. so that's just really what we're trying to to curve out now but hopefully in the next couple of months we'll be able to launch a much larger initiative and I mean we're hoping in the next in the next five years that we're going to help lift 100,000 families out of poverty. So that's, that's what our mission is. It's a, a pretty lofty goal and uh, one that's well worth putting the work in for, I think. Absolutely. Um, so you've already mentioned a few of the challenges that uh, automating things um, has introduced. So it's a little bit less human 
and you've had some issues with particular merchants refusing service um, to the people that are that are using the the Esther cards. Are there any other issues that you've that you've run into so far? I think it's a case of whenever you're signing up, it feels like a much larger commitment when you're given through something like Stripe, sure. for instance, yep. like a direct debit. And it doesn't mm. feel, even though we are only running this pilot for two months, I yep. feel like people who maybe gave very generously in the previous pilot have sort of said this time around, like that feels like a lot of money. So sure. it, it almost feels like you're giving over a lot more money in whatever way that we've set it up because it feels like that direct debit and it feels like you're making a commitment. Yeah. And um, I think what we want to do is to make sure that whenever we um you know launch this in a larger scale that it's very easy to you know to to actually unsubscribe and that because yep. you know, I think a lot of times when people give to charity and they don't want to give anymore, they have that really awkward phone call where they have to yeah. call up and say like, oh hey, um I don't want to give anymore and there's that feeling of guilt and yep. then once you've got done you're never going to give again I think it's that idea of saying listen thank you so much for the huge difference that you've already made on somebody's lives Do you know whenever if you want to come back we'll, we'll be we'll always be here you know and yep. I think having that really positive message whenever you choose to unsubscribe I think is, is very important and to make it very easy for people to unsubscribe it yeah. almost easier to make that commitment to sign up in the first place yeah. So again, it's it's more about it's 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 far easier to reassure someone in person than it would be through through an app or a bit of software. And and that's an element. It's a lot easier when you're speaking to somebody yeah. to let them know what a huge impact they're making. And it's a lot more difficult to get that across in the likes of digital marketing, and sure. um, than it is whenever you're looking looking somebody in the face and that, that there's that feeling of trust as well whenever you're speaking directly to somebody. So whatever yeah. I say. 100% of your donation is going directly to this person like people don't trust that they're going no there must be a catch to that you know yeah. and you're saying, no no it will and uh like if I'm if I'm explaining that to somebody it's very different to if you see that written down on sure. your post on um on LinkedIn or Twitter you know yeah so in terms of the actual the software that you're that you're using to build Esther with is are you and your co-founder writing that yourself or do you have any technical support that help with that? How does that work? So we're using a third party at the moment. So, okay. um, you know, building out with Addo Partners. Um, in oh, the yeah. City, which uh, they've been absolutely fantastic. So that's that's what we've built out so far. So we have our sort of charity app and then we have a program manager app who basically will supervise everything coming mm-hmm. through and just make sure there's no grammar mistakes. And then it comes to us and then we can double check everything in our own admin app and, you know, keep keep a hold of everything. And then there's the donor app. Now, everything has been on quite a tight budget, so it's sure. all very, very lean. But, you know, I mean, it's solving a problem. So and I'm very glad that we kept it lean because I'm already learning so much from our donors about things that they would like, you know, to be different. And Absolutely. I'm sort of thinking it's a good thing we didn't invest so much in almost building the wrong thing right. Yep. So I think it's been quite a positive experience from, from that way. At least now, whenever you're going, oh, I need to change something. I didn't spend a ridiculous <laughs> amount of money building it out yeah, the yeah. first place. Yeah, I think that's that's a story that a lot of people that work in, in software will be fairly familiar with, that uh, you want to keep things lean until you know that you've got 
product market fit, I think is the, the, the term everyone uses. Is there any interest in perhaps open sourcing um, some of the tools that you use, um, which would maybe allow people that with technical skills to be able to, to chip in, in with their time as opposed to money to help make the app better or to add extra features? Is that something that would be interesting to you? It, it's actually, like, it's really funny that you've said that. We've actually been overwhelmed with the amount of people that have reached out to offer to do that. <laughs> so um, I've had a number of events, like even recently with the pilot, there's been a number of engineers that have reached out. There's been UX designers. There's been, um, you know, even people from marketing and PR just emailing, just saying, if there's anything we can do, let us know. Like, I'm happy to code on this in my spare time. And I think it's a case of trying to work out what you want to, you know, how, how to kind of manage that. Yeah. Because I think the worry is that if you have too many people working in, on it, that it might turn a little bit into Frankenstein, you know. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, how do you channel all of that really positive energy and, um, you know, put it towards making the product really, really good? Mm-hmm. So I think we're still trying to work out the best way to make use of that. Um, so if you have any ideas, you know, throw it our way. Yeah, it's. I almost was expecting a response just like that. Um, the The last episode of this podcast, I spoke with a guy, Stephen Highlands, who founded like a, an online community of software engineers, marketers, product managers, people with useful technical skills, um, and kind of set them to the task of helping reduce and solve climate change. And the community has close to a thousand people in it now, each of them working on smaller individual projects. And at the start, there was lots of energy, lots of stuff was getting done. But as time went on, it became really hard to kind of manage and direct that energy. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's something that that community is not struggling with necessarily, but it's a challenge that they're working to overcome. Um, I, I, I don't know what the right, the right way to solve that is. Um, there, there are plenty of big pieces of open source software that that have done this very well, but there are equally as many that have done a terrible job. So yes. it's it's important to do it well, I think, especially when it comes to, to a mission that matters so much and can make such a, a huge difference to so many people. Yeah, I, I, I myself would, would love to, an opportunity to be able to, to help in some way with, with my time. So if, if that kind of opportunity ever opens, do let me know. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, and, and I, I definitely wouldn't be the only one either. As you said, there's uh, there's plenty of people reaching out, um, which is such a really positive thing to see, isn't it? It is. I mean, like I'm always overwhelmed whenever I see it, and it's it's those it's those things that remind you of why you're doing what you're doing as well. Because yeah. you're, I'm not the only person that's so passionate about this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's people that have seen the vision and they think that it's worthwhile enough to to give up their time. That's it. I mean, if, if you watch the news, pretty much everything is doom and gloom. But whenever you're speaking to people, you realize there, there's a lot of good people in the world and a lot of, a lot of people wanting to do good things. Absolutely. And, and there is. And I think that that's something that I've realized from even working within the charity sector as well, is yeah. that the world is full of good people that do see issues and they want to do something about it. And I think that that's the idea of where we see that people have big hearts and they yeah. want to make a difference and they just don't know how to channel that. Like, yeah. where, where do I put my money? Where do I put my time? I really want to be part of something that's bigger than myself. 
Yeah, I think figuring out how to manage and channel that energy, like like you said, that there's there's loads of people that are willing to donate their time and their money, but knowing where and how to donate that time and money is uh, is challenging. And I think Esther does a really good job of certainly figuring out where you should put your money and and knowing that it's going to a good cause. Uh, do you have any uh, stories of individuals that you'd be able to share about how Esther's having a positive impact on their life? Yeah, absolutely. So I think even from the previous pilot, I think I think it was just the little heartwarming stories about mm-hmm. things that people are able to do with money. Now about like, oh, you know, twenty percent of this went to groceries. It's here and things like, oh, you know, Jane was able to go and visit her brother over Christmas. Like she couldn't yeah. afford the train ticket, but now she could afford the train ticket to go and see her brother and his family, so she didn't spend Christmas alone. And I think things like that where you're just going she was going to be alone just because she couldn't afford the train ticket yeah. and how much cost like it was things like that really sort of and, and even um for example there's eight weeks where you go from asylum seeker to refugee where you get zero benefits at all and yep. just basically because you're going between the home office to the benefits office sure. and it was just that case of we had that extra thousand pounds we were actually able to give it to people who would have no income so just being able to actually turn on the electricity and the house you're staying in, I think to it seems like something we could never think about, but it's the difference yeah. between sitting in the dark and not sitting in the dark. Um, and then even the idea of the, there was um, a woman called Talora and she had a two-year-old son and she'd never been able to buy him a Christmas present. But then because she got this income, she was able to buy him a Christmas present for the first time ever. Um, which just warms my heart a little bit. I'll see him here. That that stories like that, I think, are far far more compelling than saying, "Oh, this person was able to spend X amount on groceries." Hearing the the human impact of what that money has done and how a child for the first time had a Christmas present is honestly spectacular. And I'm really glad there are people like you and your co-founder spending your your, your time and your money connecting other people that want to give. I'm I'm super, super excited to see where Esther goes next. Oh, thank you. So to kind of wrap this up then, um, I want, uh, like, that's what I'd like to know. Where, where, what is the plan for, for Esther next? Where, where are you taking it and, and what are your plans to get it there? So our vision is that everybody should have the opportunity to escape the poverty cycle. Mm-hmm. So the next years, 100,000 families we want to raise up out of poverty. So we want to, in terms of the product, we're starting to build out um, the card solution in order to be able to block certain products and that will enable us to help people who are in more vulnerable positions. So for example, women who are possibly in, you know, um, living in uh, domestic abuse situations where money mm-hmm. might be taken off or um, that will also help us in situations um, such as people that are trying to get out of addictions. So I think the card sure. will be very useful for opening it up in, in that way as well. And just actually starting to try to automate this at a larger scale and get more charities and more programs on board. So for example, now you can only give to asylum seekers, sure. but you can imagine logging into Esther and you can choose a program that's close to your heart. Which, yep. So it might be asylum seekers, it might be victims of domestic abuse, it might be human trafficking. And what, you know you can choose that program and be linked up to somebody within that. Um, we're gonna start to look at the likes of corporate social responsibility initiatives and how corporates nice. can get involved. 
possibly do some match funding as well. So I'm really excited to see where the future holds. We're hoping to go UK-wide in the next two years and then possibly start to, to move out into the likes of the States as well. Fantastic. So if uh, people are listening and they want to find out more and they want to figure out how they can, they can help give their money to Esther, um, where, where should they go to find out more? So you can go to esther.org.uk, so that's E-S-D-H-E-R, um, or you can sign up to the pilot at app.esther.org.uk. Fantastic. Well, Elish, thanks very much for, for chatting with me today. Um, I really appreciate your time, and I, I adore the work that you're doing, so all I can say is, is keep it up. Oh, thank you so much, and thanks for having me on your, on your podcast.